Welcome to What's Your Reason with Matt and Julia. Today, it's just us sitting down uh, talking uh, about who we are and kind of the direction that we're going with Million Reasons to Vote. Um, it's been, what, six months now that we've started this? Well, Right, right. But that original idea was in May. Right, which was actually the Million Mask March inception. Like, like that, which is not done. You know, like we, we are still going with that. It's just, we, yeah. So what was your thought process? I know, right? Like, I mean, you said million mask march. Well, what is what is that? Okay, so it originally all started. I had a flash idea about just the concept of a million mask march and rally for reason, right? Like that—that that was the original idea. Uh, the thought of using the masks as a symbol to not only get people to be reasonable about wearing them, because even at that time living where we live in a, a more, I don't want to say conservative specifically, but it, let's face it, it is a conservative area that tends to be very focused on individual rights rather than uh, some of the other things that we focus on, right? Like, And the idea of the mask was already starting to become a little bit of, little bit of a political thing, right? right? And I wanted to bring down that level of animosity back then. And of course, now it's only an even greater issue than what it was at that point. But that was the start, right? Like just trying to be reasonable about all of the things that were going on, the masks and the way that Donald Trump was kind of running running the presidency, I guess. You know, like that scared me even then. I, like, uh, I'm not going to say I'm not still terrified now, but I, it's different. Right, like it's a different feeling. It, the country feels like it's in a different place. We're, yeah. So the whole million mask march thing was tied into that rally for reason and the idea of just trying to get people to understand that we're all in this together again. Right, like we used to talk about it all the time as a country, as a nation. Like it's it's coming back at least. But yeah. Uh, that's where it started, but uh, we we realized it started as a political statement about wearing masks related to COVID specifically, and then it grew yeah something more a much broader picture. Right, like because. It, Let's face it, the, the mask thing, we all know people are kind of baked into where they're at, right? Like they they kind of feel the way that they feel. And it's not it's not very easy to change somebody's mind in a conversation or even in a short term period, like a year. And the vaccines are, you know, rapidly on their way out. So it's not like it's not like the masks are gonna are gonna be, you know, as big of an issue in the future as what they have been right like and we understood that 
right from the beginning. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the whole point. Right. But we always knew that the concept of the mask was going to be something that... Right, because for better or worse, it's always going to be pre-COVID situation. Right. right? Right. In my mind, and if we start talking about reason versus not reason, right? The mask represents this idea of am I so concerned with my right to not have to wear a mask, or am I concerned with doing my part for the greater good? Yeah. And that's I, and it's kind of one of those things where I think that motivation gets gets crooked, right? Like we think that everybody thinks that it's a a moral statement, right? Like one side is trying to say to the other side, you're you're morally not as making a good choice by not wearing the mask, right? Like, and it's making the other side it's making them defensive about it, right? Like they're they're getting up in arms because of the fact that they feel like people are forcing them, which is part of the issue, right? Like that, right. that people aren't taking that personal responsibility, right? I mean, that, and that's a very, the very American thing, right? Like the idea is personal responsibility over the idea of the government having to mandate anything. Like that's the concept. I, I'm just not sure that in America we've ever actually followed that all that well you know what i mean like our, our personal responsibility goes about as far as what's good for us i mean right i mean that's the whole idea of you look at these laws I, moral beings right but we're not ultimately people like put it in a micro scale when i'm driving down the road i'm going to drive five to seven miles over the speed limit unless I see a cop car. You know what I mean? That right. idea of you're always going to push the envelope for the convenience of yourself unless there's something to stop you. There's a reason why I'm not doing it. Like the, the risk has to be greater than the in the moment reward of Well, so right. And there there's the rub, right? There's a balance there. Because I, I can promise you Anybody thinking about the idea of forcing by gunpoint people to wear a mask everywhere they go, that kind of a thing, it, the logistics of it get kind of difficult, right? Like, enforce, we just went through it with the whole Thanksgiving thing, right? Like, everybody was talking about, oh, well, the cops are going to give tickets if you, you know, have more than 10 people at your house. Everybody was you know, kind of freaking out about it and everything. But I didn't really hear about anybody actually getting tickets. You know, like, and, and I think that's, that's the bigger point, right? Like people, people complain about laws that they make, but the real question is what's being enforced. Yes, I agree that the idea of mandating a mask, when it comes down to it, it's a very difficult kind of like, 
well, where's the line? Who is it that you have to wear a mask around and who is it that you don't? Where, where is it when you're outside? Where's the line of when somebody's walking up to you that you have to put the mask on? Like, you know, like by yeah. enforcement, it becomes a really big kind of big open air question, right? Up here in northern New York. Right. I mean, it, again, it, again, it sort of goes back to the idea of you know, choice. Yeah. Right? So I don't feel comfortable walking up to people that I don't think a lot of times without having to wear a mask. I feel uncomfortable. The, and there it is. But that's what am I saying? So for me, Well, well, actually, yes, right? Like, and the truth is, mandates, when you go into a public building, they can obviously mandate you do anything. They can, they can make you wear a pink shirt if they really wanted to and if they could keep getting reelected in. You know, like, the truth is, they could mandate you to do a whole lot of things as, if the people were okay with that, right? Like, in public buildings, specifically. Now, when it comes down to workplace, I, I think that's just a straight-up, if the workplace is telling you, like if a business like Walmart is telling you you have to wear a mask in order for them to come in, and you have no legitimate reason to not wear the mask, obviously. I mean, there are exceptions to every rule, you know, like that should be there, right? Like, and that, those are the people that we can't wear mask around. That's the truth of it. And, and that's it, right. Like that is what our healthcare system is based on. It's actually based on the idea of the majority of us trying to do what's best for the people that are vulnerable. Um, that, that's actually the basis to every civilization <laughs> since the beginning of, of humanity. Um, we actually, there's a really, really great anthropologist. Um, I, I can never remember her name, um, but she once spoke about the idea of what starts uh, that line between uh, civilization or humanity anyway, like starting to grow and love each other. And she said, everybody thinks it's like pottery and, you know, some type of an engineering kind of a thing. You know, plumbing is always a big one because that's, that's cities, right? But the real truth is it's when you start to see signs of healing in a femur bone. And it, it's that idea that we took care of somebody, right? Like, you brought them to uh, a place that was protected and, and you did enough things that made it so that person's femur was able to actually heal after a break, which if you have a femur fracture, you're not walking, you're not getting water for yourself, you're not able to heal on your own unless somebody else does that. You don't find that in the animal world other than one leg and they end up losing that leg, right? Like. So the idea of a bone healing in a human is that we took care, and that was, I mean, we're not talking a thousand years ago, 2000, we're talking many, many thousands of years ago. We've been doing this for a long time, right? We take care of each other. Right. Well, I so I did look it up, that was Margaret Mead. Margaret Mead. Mead. Um, 
it, it is it right like we always think of uh the romans and plumbing like historians use that a lot right like because plumbing is like the sign of a city right because without modern well somewhat modern plumbing anyway the idea of it right. cities actually can't exist we get diseases and all that kind of stuff like in the middle ages that's really what happened but i would argue that there were civilizations Well, actually, the Romans, you're talking modern plumbing, you know, 3,000 years ago. Before that, the uh, the Arabs actually used plumbing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, you have a well, modern city. Right. right. You're right. It's just, it's one of those things where we all, we all have a different concept of what, what it means to be modern, right? right? To me, modern human is just that idea of, actually caring about each other and using our intelligence to care about each other like that's that's what set us apart in my opinion Um, now, granted, there are even animals that live like that, right? Wolf right, packs to a certain extent, right? They're vulnerable alone. So they, their species uses pack life. Right. For lack of a better way of saying it. I guess it's almost eloquent, but you know what I'm trying to say. And that their species are pack animals. Like we are pack animals, like wolf, lion. They, yeah. Their numbers are, or they are more likely to sustain life and pass on their genetic code if they live in large numbers. I, I totally, yes. I, humans are, modern human anyway, is a little different though, because we tend to, we even sacrifice sometimes our strongest and our, the ones that can protect us the, mo the most for the weaker to survive, right? Like, it's one of those things where a lot of times, most times in, in the wild, the weaker ones get picked off because they right. kind of allow it, right? Like so they know. Yeah. Right. change that changes that whole concept of of how exactly how it is that we have to live with nature right because more and more of us are surviving like the more and more of us that 
live to be older and older and older, the more resource that is taken. Right? Like, uh, right. It all kind of comes back. We're not dying in the future. And, and sometimes even higher in some places, right? Like uh, the more and more, so we have to look at this as a whole world, right? Like it's not just in the United States. I mean, our population actually relatively, relatively stays the same. We bring in some people. We're not, we actually don't procreate quite as high as most nations, um, a lot lower than some, but that's the whole thing. Third world populations populate extremely fast, but they also have a lot less resource per individual. They tend to have to pollute and do things in order for them to just survive at a, at a much fa faster rate than what we do. Right, and yet we pollute far more than what they do. You know, I, I actually, <laughs> it's not even just that. I, I was looking at um, some statistics on this whole, the pharmaceutical industry, right? Uh, they're, right now, Donald Trump's administration is trying to uh, make it so that we can get medication from Canada, right, on mass at, at the same prices that Canada gets. Well, Canada is actually putting a stop to that unless they okay it because they have a very small portion of the world's supply. And yet when we actually, America doesn't really think about this, Canada has 2% of the pharmaceutical intake of the world, right? Do you know what the United States is? Like we are three percent of the population. Take a guess. We're three percent of the world's population. Yeah. No, no, three percent of the world's population. What is well, Canada is much smaller than us. But they have two percent. About two percent, right? Okay, but okay. So even you'd say ten percent, right? Like we're not, we're not five times. You know what I mean? Like when you start getting into those kind of numbers, we're not huge in comparison. We're not China in comparison, right? But yet we use 44%. 44%. Like, I, I know that's crazy. 44% of the world's pharmaceuticals get used into the United States. Like, that means, like, four out of, you know, four and a half ever, out of every 10 pills that's taken worldwide is taken in the United States. Now, you wonder why we spend so much, like, in a capitalist society, right? Like, where the, the free market is supposed to completely and totally dictate everything that has to do with how much you, you can charge and vote. Why is it that the country that uses the most amount of medication pays the most for it? Just logically. I mean, it, it's one of those things where if I buy the most amount of something in the world, I, well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'm going to be fucking pissed. As a matter of fact, I, as a nation, I would go to war over something that egregious to the idea of paying double what everybody else in the world pays for something, and I'm the one that's paying for it? Like, I, I, that makes no sense. Like, that's literally like me saying, as a capitalist society, I want to pay double the amount for coca-cola as anybody else in the world just because you make it here or just because it's something that we want it, it doesn't make any sense like as a capitalist society 
that is the backwards way of looking at it, right? Like we as consumers should be saying, well, wait, everybody else in the world is paying half as much as we are, but we're supposed to be the ones running on a supply and demand market. How, how does that physically work? But I mean, I guess that's not for us to answer. That's for the people that are trying to actually answer this shit. I did. I've been thinking about this this one for a long time. I mean, I you know my backstory. A lot of people probably don't. I am what thirty eight years old now. I've had a disability since. So I went on it in two thousand four. Medicare, anyway. Yeah. I think when they actually... So that's the whole thing. I mean, that was a long time ago. The way that they work it out, they backpaid me, I don't know, for a few years because I tried to work and everything. I, I had gotten a blood clot, had a surgery to take out some cysts. Um, Few years later, I I tried to work and everything in between. Few years later, I had another one, um, another blood clot, and another cyst that I needed to take out. At that point, um, I had applied to get onto Social Security, and it still took another couple of years from the time of application before before I actually got onto it. So, and then they back pay you all the way to the time when you last worked a full quarter of full time work which had been for me since I've been 22 years old. So it definitely, you know, like it, it was, it was early in my life. Now I've had two surgeries since that second one, you know, four surgeries on the same leg. Um, a few blood clots in that leg, blood clot in the other leg. I have a blood condition that makes a clot a bit faster than most people. But uh, I, I tried to start a business um, in between the, let's see, the second and third one uh, doing home inspections and environmental consulting. Um, I used infrared gun to check out people's insulations. And I, you know, like I, I... So you've tried to be a functioning member of society, but your metal didn't Yeah, I mean, I was even a lister in my hometown, in Castle so Vermont. I, it has been... I, my sister was also a nurse that she passed away when I was 30 years old. She uh, she was smart, or which university. And she's always been a driving force for me. Trying to advocate for the idea that our healthcare industry is just broken. No question. We let a pharmaceutical industry turn into the biggest drug cartel the world has ever known. Um, finally, just recently, they uh, they pled guilty to a criminal case. Purdue Pharmaceuticals. Everybody should look that one up. It's if anybody wants to know what a real criminal is, look at that criminal op- operation. Those are those are real criminals. They are not the guy that you see on the street with a bunch of tattoos. Because I can promise you. That guy's never gotten away with a single thing in his entire life. Everybody looks at him like he's a criminal. 
that guy that sat in Purdue Pharmaceuticals that lied to us, that told us that they did all of this true, you know, investigation and made sure that their miracle drug couldn't, you couldn't get addicted to it, killed like countless more people than what we even have numbers for. People that will be known as drug addicts and weak people because a a drug cartel pushed a bunch of legal drugs on them. That's the truth, right? That just profits. I mean, they there are internal documents that show that they knew, they knew what they were doing, and they they assumed they were going to have to pay a fine. And the more money they made in between the time that people were actually finding out what they were doing and you know, the beginning when they were selling it and knew what they were doing, that whole time period, they were just going to use that money to pay off whatever it was that they got in trouble for. I mean, it, it was a scam from the beginning. They made this country heroin addicts. I mean, it, they put heroin on our streets at vastly, vastly huge quantities, like quantities that heroin dealers would be just trillionaires right now. I mean, that's the truth. I mean, there were, there were towns in the United States that were getting more Oxycontin 80s than there were people in the town. Like a month's supply, how, how, how is that physically possible? Like it, it, there is no reason for any of that. And yet they did it and they did it with impunity, right? Like, and yet I don't, I don't see anybody really actually sticking up. I don't see anybody actually doing anything about it. But, uh, you know, like I, I, I think it's, it's a problem of money. Right? Pharmaceutical industry has more money than most industries, like the oil industry. So they do. Well, you got a little heavy there on it. I, I tend to do that. I'm I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Lately, everything's been a little serious for me. So I'm, I'm sorry. Everybody, I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just your personality. You are, like, everything is uh, super, super great or bottom of the barrel. There's very little middle ground with you. Which is funny that I'm, I'm trying to be the reasonable one. I think that it, it ends up boiling out to you being a reasonable person. It's just you have a process <laughs> Get there. <laughs> I, I like that she used the word process because it, it is a it, yeah uh, yeah. You definitely start at an extreme and then you work your way down. And just so everybody knows, I think out loud. Um, they call that being an external process. So you have to process things externally in a conversation with someone who's actually order to develop your belief system, right? There you go. Your idea. So a lot of people will say something as if it's a fact, but 
they're really just working it out. And so the opposite of that is internal grumbling. There are some people who will not say anything out loud until they've fully thought it all the way through, like every little bit of it before it ever comes out of their mouth. So the issue is obviously when an internal processor is talking to an external processor, if you say something, and in your mind you're just saying it just to hear what it sounds like because you're not sure what you believe one way or the other, right? To an internal processor, they take that as that's exactly what he meant, that's exactly how he feels, and so they can sense that. And see, I guess that's the weird part for me. It's like 50 50. Right? Like, there are times when I I get to a point where I'm like, okay, no, this is where I'm at. Right. But you we can discuss it. <laughs> but, uh, but you probably had other conversations in other areas of your life that got you right. to that point. And I do do a lot, of, a lot of internal after the external. But I do have to talk about it out loud right, in order for me to even think of it. During the conversation. But I don't. Because I'm an external processor as well. So I don't, I actually spend a lot of time thinking about something and then you need to have a conversation about it. Right. And then spend more time thinking about it based on the new information I get right. from the conversation. And sometimes I am the one who came up with the new information. Like I just think better when I think out loud. Right. You know what I mean? Like my brain just flows better when I'm talking it out with someone. A lot of times that will spark things in my own brain. It's not even about the other person giving me feedback. It's just about bouncing my thoughts. So it's probably best to do both. I mean, that would be a balance. Is, isn't that about everything? Like, uh, right. right, isn't that what we're talking about? Trying the whole to, idea of balance, right? Right, like, being reasonable is that balance between the two things, right? Like, it's not right. just so about emotion. It's not just about fact. It's In that vein, our business is reasonable bring reason back into the political landscape. Because right, I think most of us in everyday life, right, like we're reasonable people. Like I, I think the average American, right, like when somebody is standing in front of you, it really doesn't matter what political party they voted for, what even ideolo ideologues they have, right? Like the, the idea of an American standing in front of an American let's say at a food counter or something like that and treating them horribly, it's just not all, all that often, right? right? There are many instances of that, right. no question, but that's all over the world. We're not gonna, right? Like you're not gonna solve individual problems like that, that, but we have an issue right now in this country of people looking at the other side like they're the enemy because of who they voted for, right? And it's both sides. Right. Like, I have done it my entire life, to be honest. Like, I, I just spoke about the idea. I am an extremist. Right. I know that, right? Like, I grew up in a very, very conservative household. Um, very military household, right? Like, and I went the opposite way. I, I know that. And I fought against a lot of, a lot of their beliefs, right, because of. Right. There was a moment. By fighting, by being mean, by 
other side And a little bit of the realization of understanding that m the way that I was seeing the answer was not actually going to work, right? Like the idea of being on that, that side of saying, no, no, we need the best example I have in, in my mind anyway, is that idea of socialist Medicare, right? Like complete, total takeover of medicine within the United States by the government, where the government runs all of the hospitals. They run all of the medical facilities and everything. Like that concept, right? Which the Medicare for all concept, the, the concept of like only one healthcare industry being in the United States and it's run by the government and regulated by the government. I realized that was never gonna work, or at least, it, it certainly couldn't in present day America in any way, shape, or form that I can conceive it. Right. So to get back to my point before you said run another Right. I'm good at that. Sorry. Is the idea that as like obviously we have our own personal beliefs in We have our ideas of what our government should be doing, what our politicians should be right. doing. We have those personal which we do talk about on this, in this platform, in the podcast, right. but our business as a whole, the mission of our business is not necessarily to promote one policy, one political party over another. No. It's not about making a stand for universal health care or completely privatized. No, it's, it's, it's quite the opposite. Actually, this one is trying to get people to actually start talking again. Right. So, you know, our three main components that we really talk a lot about when we design initiatives and we boil it down to we want to inform and educate people. We want to make sure that everyone is registered to vote. That's a big one. We believe that instead of fighting, the way that we sway the pen one way or the other is by voting and our voice votes. That's what the founders wanted. And then the third one is just encouraging that positivity, right? So when we have conversations with people that we disagree with, meeting people where they're at instead of trying to pull them to our side, trying to encourage that idea of the give and take where you are worthy of respect even though you disagree with me. And I'm going to treat you with that disrespect while I'm standing up for my ideals in an attempt to, like, we can come together and move our country in a positive way if we stop fighting. Right. And, and the truth of the matter is, most of those things that we agree on are really, they're the big things, right? Like, they're the things that we can work together on. Right. We can take a chunk out of it. Yeah. So how are we doing that? Those are that those are our goals, those are our big ideals. What are we currently working on that we can share with everyone to move us towards those goals, right? So why don't we start with the educate? And my wife being the real educator. <laughs> Educating you. <laughs> yeah, she's 
yeah, she's done miracles with me. Uh, there's no question. I, I am a different person than I used to be, and anybody that knows me can definitely attest to that one. But um, no, uh, she's actually helped me a lot, um, pushing me to do exactly that, try to educate other people. Um, I recently wrote... <sighs> I know, I know. I'm trying. No, you're um, our goal, anyway, together, is to try to educate kids um, from a younger age about what it actually means to vote and to be reasonable about it, right? Like, uh, that's that's the, the big concern. Right, so in my mind, you know, you're never going to be, a person is not going to come up to me and argue me into, I'm 34, I've spent a lot of time thinking about what I believe, what I don't believe, you're not going to change my mind unless you have irrefutable evidence that I've been completely off base. But I basically am who I am. However, when I was a kid, a teenager, other than a social studies class, which kind of was really more about talking about the history of how we got to where we are, you didn't really know. Unless you were really focused. I'm sure that there are classes that talk about government and civics, and, but not every person takes those classes. And, and they're actually, they're one little part of a larger class, right? Like you learn about all three branches of government all at once. Right, right? in your mainstream classes, I've been talking about this, in your mainstream classes, you get the broad overview. And it's not even that easy to follow. And then understanding how to find the information that they're seeking. Right? right. How do they become informed voters? How right. do they find out who they're voting for? Why they should be voting for them? Why they shouldn't be voting for them? Those are the kinds of things that I think you have to teach those skills. That's the truth. To a younger, like, get them while they're young so that their mind Right. Give them a reason for why they should vote. And they'll actually, they'll want to vote. Like, so that's what have, it was for me. Matthew has written a, a several children's books, but we are currently in negotiations with getting one of them illustrated and then hopefully getting it published. I shouldn't say, we shouldn't say negotiations. It's in the process. It, it's, right. it's she happening. Yeah, she's working on our illustration. She, she's doing the actual illustrations right now. Yeah. So, and, and then we Unless somebody would like to get a hold of us to help us with that. I mean, we, we would always be glad to you know, take some help if somebody knows somebody in you know, the so publishing good. realm. That's step one of our <laughs> education. We would also like to send you training this type of stuff. Right. So Julia is actually a um, college-educated educator, which I, I don't, I've never really known how to say that. There you go, right. But uh, so, and she's also the president of our local PTSA, um, a founding member member of our local PTSA at that. 
She is very active in the community, um, especially for our, our kids. Right. No, and and I I think we're we're doing that right. Like right. So historically, that we're doing it. Right. And I think we were taught a better way of living than what oh, our agree. parents were, and oh, they were taught better than their parents were. You know what I mean? Like, I do think we've progressively gotten better and better and, and better. And I think a lot of the ways that you and I differ from other people our age is because we're <laughs> I'm just saying, like, we advance beyond what our parents taught us, right? Like, we are people. We are seekers of knowledge, right? Right. Opening them up to it. Yeah, I agree, right? Like they, that idea to push them to understanding, right? We don't want them to, to have a preconceived notion. Like that's the idea of education to me. It, it's not like I don't need to tell them the facts about, you know, who FDR was or what a Republican is comparatively to a Democrat or liberal to conservative, right? Like those factual kind of things. They will come with time, right? Like, and and what a Republican and is I now, would and even what argue that you don't necessarily knowing the history of it doesn't really do does you much not, good. You know, affect your ability to even I mean, it it gives you a good like for me, it gives me a good understanding of what people are capable of, but it doesn't really give you a good understanding of what's happening right now on the ground, right? Like your ability and reason right like that's always been cognitive reasoning right like the idea to be able to break down a situation and understand it for what it is is way more important than understanding a date or you know fractions or any of the things that were really really important in a in a way in school right like but the things that i i think were most important that were taught to me anyway but a lot of science teachers and uh, you know, like just that, I, yeah, that critical thinking that was, that was far more important to the best teachers that I've ever had than the idea of memorizing 
you know, the Magna Carta or, you know, right. like any of that kind of stuff, which I was always good at, you know, like. You know, it's that whole idea of sellers and agents and I can't tell you how many times on a daily basis people ask me to cite the Magna Carta. I, right. I mean, considering the fact that I don't even know what the Magna Carta is, it sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure I've heard of it at some point in my life, but. I'll let that slide. I will. I will. I will. I will. I'm still a fully functioning adult. <laughs> I still go to work every day and take care of three children. And You're right. You know what I mean? You're right. You're right. Well, we, the real You're right. Lesson the document that you know gives us all our. No, no, I'm not going to go there. No, I'm not going to go there. I'm just saying the real importance of what needs to be. Because I can tell you right now how to diagram a sentence and pull every last True. Thing. So it's not that I walked out of school without knowledge. True. It's just a very different knowledge base of base knowledge. Than yeah. Because of what interests me. Right. But the idea is as an adult, not knowing information, I have a clear understanding of how to find information and get it. Yeah. Now. That is the important thing that children need to learn is that. Double the amount in a recipe, which is why they always tell us that fractions are important. Because someday you're going to be baking and you're going to need to double your recipe. And they weren't wrong. How fractions work. That and one they weren't what, wrong on. Guess what? I can figure out how to find the information even if I don't have it at my fingertips. Well, and I will say this one with the fractions and math and everything. I, I, if an old teacher of mine is listening. And I'm going to get really explicit right now. And, and I don't mean to. And it, I truly mean this with all of the love in my heart. Fuck you. Okay? <laughs> like, I, no, it isn't. But neither were they when they told me I was never going to have a calculator in my pocket everywhere I went. Now, not only do I have a calculator in my pocket, I've got Google, motherfucker. And he will literally, like that dude in Google, he figures out equations for me too, even right. Like, like I, I don't even. It's not just a calculator. That thing in my pocket has more ability than the space shuttle going to the moon. So they were lying. I right. There you go. There you go. So, and, and that's why, that's why I say it with all the love in my heart, because I don't necessarily blame the teachers for saying what they did, right? right? Like I don't, because they didn't understand where technology right. was going at the and time. They didn't even the have them, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. That children need to understand the concept. Right. Whether or not they have access to it. You have to understand how, at least to some degree, to understand how the math works in order to be able to input it into the calculator. No right? question. If you don't understand how percentages work, you're not going to be able to get the correct by putting it in the calculator. I, so, yes. You know I mean? Agreed wholeheartedly. I, again, I know, we're good at that. Come on. Yeah. All right, so we are getting close to the end of our time. Oh. But, so we wanted to talk about this book. 
Yeah. The other announcement we had that after the first preview, we wanted to do like a big notification towards our next big event. Yeah. Well, so for right now, I mean, it's it's the Million Mask March rally for reason. Um, as a tentative date as of right now would be five fifteen. You know, like uh, yeah, yeah, five fifteen twenty twenty one. Um, the hope would be anyway uh, permits, all that kind of stuff. But we're gonna try to get some bands and some food vendors and get out and march. And not just who we've lost, but the people that are are still going to be dealing with it, right? Like because the people that are sick with it right now are going to be dealing with a lot of issues that we already know of, uh, blood issues and headaches and you know lung issues and stuff for a long time afterwards. People are still being affected right now that got it a year ago. So and on top of that, our event. honoring them in a big way. Yeah. But also, I think that it would be, um, as a week of COVID has been our calmest, our people who have had... Exactly. Like, people who are on unemployment, unemployment might be running out, but maybe they're not necessarily going back to normal lifestyle. And that... That's the truth. There are some people... Right. And so, you know, obviously it's a big shout out to any of those businesses that are hurting right now. You know, like we, we definitely understand this is not easy for anybody during this time, but our, the whole point in, in May is to get everybody out and say, you know what, we're going to get, we're saying right now, we're going to get through this. Even in May, there's going to be more to get through, right? We're, we're always going to get through this as a community. But let's do it together and, and let's help each other out, right? Like, let's be reasonable and wear our masks. Let's be reasonable and say, you know what? When the weather gets nicer and we can all get out, let's all get out and support some of those local businesses that can be out on that field, right? Like, so what's your uh, lit bit for today? My lit bit for today. Um, you know, <laughs> I hadn't really given whole lot of thought about it um because we've been we've been actually really busy doing a whole lot of stuff but um my lip bit today is our christmas tree um i i it's so beautiful i mean it's i i beautiful is definitely true it, this is the first year that we've had a ghost tree since we've been i have never really had a ghost tree one year when i was Over here, to share with me the, the world of a real Christmas tree. The smell of it, the, and last the year act of going. To get <laughs> yeah. A real Christmas tree, and that ended with us both storming off because we couldn't agree on a Christmas tree. <laughs> and then making up at the Ambrosia Diner after. I wanted the Clooney of Christmas trees. She wanted the Kevin James. Just I wanted the short, fat, ridiculous Christmas tree. Awkward shaped, like. But I 
bent a little bit. Oh my god! And I, I wanted this. I love a good like. We have a big colonial home too, right? We have nine foot ceilings, like this massive living room. And she wanted this tree that was shorter than me. (laughs) I mean, like I'm not even joking either. Like it. Enormous. I mean, it is huge, guys. Like when I say our living room is massive, and this tree makes our living room kind of look normal, it's it's true. I mean, it's it's probably seven feet around, and it's just it's massive. It's it's beautiful, just beautiful. My living. No, granted, it came at a little bit of a financial cost, but I think in this mo- moment, the right. transition it was the motivation I needed. To, like, let's get creative with how we're doing this life right and instead of doing a nine to five work for someone for the 50 years of my adult life So true. And that is a great little segue into uh, my ask for uh, you know a little bit of help. Um, if anybody wants to, or I, I, I totally guess that that was not your intention. Normally, I don't do it, but I figured why not? It's the first time uh, I've ever even thought about it while we were doing this. And we are trying to make some money. Right, and uh, having a little bit more of a, uh, what I would call market share, right, like a footprint, anyway, would be, the only way we're going to be able to get that footprint is to get a little bit of funding, right? So, um, we are Million Reasons to Vote, um, we're on Facebook, uh, 
there are places to donate on our website. That is the Perfect Pregnancy BillionRaisingVote.org. Um, there, there are buttons all through it that um, you can donate. And we are working on a page to get um, up-to-date information on our marketing event, how you can get involved, um, what types of things you can do for that. All of our other stuff is up there, who we are, what we sort of try and do. Yeah, we're we're also trying to get some merchandise and stuff. Um, and some plans for that going. Right, that will um, come. It will come. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll have a gift shop and everything. But uh, you know, for right now, we're it's just kind of the two of us and a couple of friends that give us some help every once in a while. But uh, yeah, we're making a go of it, and um, please. Check us out and keep listening. Um, you know, every week we'll have something new, and we're going to try a couple of other podcasts uh, just between the two of us. And um, Julia actually has a little project going with uh, our other board member, um, Zach. Uh, they are, well, why don't you explain exactly what you guys are doing? Well, I don't know how many details we're ready to divulge just yet, but we is very different from what you and I do. <laughs> My connection with Zach is on a much more spiritual journey type path. So we'll we will be talking about our journey, what we're focusing on, what we've been through, our ideas of what spirituality is, that kind of thing. Okay. With maybe a fun little well, this is the this is the time of COVID to have fun little twists, right? That's true. That's true. And so keep uh, your eyes peeled for those announcements. Yeah. And as of right now, I gotta go pick up my kids. So okay. We will talk to you guys again soon. We appreciate you guys listening. Thanks.